today on CityCast Denver. Two, one, zero. A long time ago, in a version of this country that feels far, far away, Americans everywhere watched as Neil Armstrong took that first small step on the surface of the moon. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. After nearly 60 years, NASA wants to send people back to the moon. But this new space race isn't quite so much about mankind, it's more about money. And it turns out, Coloradans are pretty good at it. There's about 28,000 people employed in aerospace directly, and then the companies here have about a $6 billion a year economic output, and between subcontractors and vendors and things like that, the impact just goes broader from there. Greg Avery is a senior reporter for the Denver Business Journal, and he returns today to talk about the Colorado tech that was supposed to be on its way to the moon right now, and what kind of impact that mission is having right here in Denver. Today is Thursday, September 1st. I'm Paul Caroli, and for Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Greg Avery, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Oh, thanks for having me, Paul. So, Greg, I think we have to start with that big launch that was supposed to happen on Monday morning. I assume you were watching. Can you take me through it? What did you see? It was a little bit anticlimactic Monday morning, but it's a big deal. Um, NASA is scheduled to launch its brand new giant space rocket, the what's known as the Space Launch System, to carry the Orion capsule, which is designed and made by a Colorado company, um, on a test flight, uncrewed, without astronauts on board, um, to test fly this capsule before starting to use it for real live moon missions carrying astronauts. So back to the moon. That's the plan. Back to the moon. Uh, for, for the first time in decades, the hope is to land astronauts, including the first woman and the first person of color on the moon by 2025 or in 2025 in the second half of the year. And this week's launch, if it does happen this week, as, as is hoped, um, would test the Orion capsule and its flight systems and the systems for astronauts. And then there would be a flight next year carrying astronauts that would not land on the moon, but would go circle it with astronauts and then come back. And we care about this Orion capsule in particular because that's the piece that was made by a Colorado company, right? Exactly. It's a multi-billion dollar project that's been going on for years, led by Lockheed Martin Space, uh, which is based in Jefferson County. Its campus is there just uh, at the mouth of Waterton Canyon, southwest of the metro. They've been working on this capsule, doing the design, engineering, some testing, uh, software development, all kinds of stuff at that campus. And then um, they have other places on the Space Coast of Florida, at the Michoud um, Manufacturing Facility in Louisiana that's used by NASA and a bunch of companies. Um, and sites all around the country to manufacture various aspects of this capsule, this gumdrop-shaped capsule that's going to fly NASA astronauts um, on the next, you know, decade's worth of missions into deep space hmm. and, and to the moon. So tell me, tell me more about this capsule in particular. Like what, because I, I, I want to hear what is the product of these Colorado engineers that's going to be going up there? Well, it's, it's a capsule, so it's kind of hearkening back to the Apollo era um, moon missions of the 1970s and late 60s. Um, it, it's, you know, the NASA moved away from the winged space plane idea that the space shuttle once had because that was just really hard to 
maintain. It's a great idea. It was a very functional craft. There are a lot of people who are very uh, fond of the space shuttle uh, within NASA and beyond. But for missions deeper into space, to the moon and beyond, which is ultimately what NASA wants to be able to do, the physics of atmospheric reentry and whatnot basically lead toward a capsule-shaped spacecraft. And so Lockheed was picked in 2006. They won a contract selection way back then under the Bush administration um, to build a space capsule for what was then called the Constellation Program, which was uh, President uh, W. Bush, George W. Bush had famously set the goal of landing NASA astronauts on Mars, which was kind of ahead of its time. He was kind of ridiculed for coming out with that uh, that pronouncement when he did because hmm. he was at an unpopular phase of his presidency and people reacted kind of badly to it. But but the idea was to set a really ambitious goal for NASA um, to kind of get its mojo back from its you know heyday in the 70s and late 60s of landing people on the moon. So the Orion capsule has been launched once or a, an earlier version of it uh, in 2016, an uncrewed test flight that went pretty far out, but it was a four-hour flight, one lap around the Earth and then back to a splashdown in the Pacific. And that test was considered a rousing success. The spacecraft performed as well or better than anybody expected. And since then, NASA's uh, been focused um, on getting the launch system, the big rocket, ready for this test flight and ultimate missions to the moon, because there's no rocket in existence right now that uh, in the U.S. that can launch something fast enough with enough lift for a lunar mission. And so yeah. they're developing this new rocket. And that's and that's what we saw on the launch pad on Monday? Yeah, 322 feet tall space launch system built by a consortium of different aerospace contractors like Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Aerojet Rocketdyne. And it's a very complicated system that has never been flown. And when Monday came, they got some anomalous readings on one of the four big engines uh, in the rocket. And they decided rather than you know risk something going awry, they would uh, take a few days to make sure they get things correct and, and then try again. Is the rocket just like sitting out on the launch pad still? I didn't realize that. I didn't think about it maybe. Yeah, it takes, it's it's like the size, well, I, I went to a launch in 2016 when Orion launched the first time, and that was a smaller rocket made by a Colorado company called United Launch Alliance. Uh, it was a much smaller rocket, and that, to see it in person was to, like, walk up to a skyscraper, but then fires off the launch pad. Um, and so this rocket is even bigger. It was made in the vehicle assembly building on NASA, which is kind of a famous building. It's one of the biggest buildings by square footage in the world. Wow. Um, it has its own weather inside and all kinds of stuff. But um, <laughs> the, uh, they have this giant vehicle um, that the rocket sits on that takes more than 10 hours to roll out from this assembly building a quarter mile to the launch pad that's like right next door. So they start it the day before and they do it overnight. And it wow. takes them so long that they don't, once it's out there, if it gets rained on, I mean, it even got struck by lightning last week. <laughs> it's, it's able to withstand that stuff. I mean, it's got to be able to fly at, you know, 22,000 miles an hour out of the atmosphere. So it's pretty durable. <laughs> wow. What an incredible sight that would be. It's pretty amazing to go see a launch. I, I would I would love to go back and see one. Uh, when I, The one launch I've seen in person there was low clouds over the Florida coast, so you could see this rocket like slowly lifting off into the atmosphere, and then it just disappeared in the clouds after about 10 seconds, as opposed to those, you know, 
the TV shots I could think of from the shuttle days of watching it for like five minutes going through a crystal blue sky. You know, it just it disappeared into the clouds and you could hear it but not see it. For connoisseurs of launch, it was a disappointing launch, but for a newbie like me not having seen one before, it was pretty amazing. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Greg, I'm hearing about a lot of moving pieces and a lot of private contractors. Seems like there's a lot of people out there making money off this stuff. Is that what this is about now? Or is there some greater purpose to going back to the moon? Um, it, it's all of the above. Yeah, <laughs> there's a bigger project involved. and But it is also, um, the space program is very much, you know, an employment driver for advanced industries in this country. Um, and it always has been. We used to sort of unabashedly put the space program, NASA's space program out there as a way to push the bounds of what's technically feasible for manufacturing in this country. And that's still true. But there's been a private sector uh, burst of interest in space as um, an industry moving to orbit. We have billionaires like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, uh, Paul Allen, uh, co-founder of Microsoft, uh, Richard Branson. There's you know a bevy of billionaires out there who have an affinity for space travel and have used their personal fortunes to start companies that look to do things in space. But along with that has come many, many smaller companies founded by people who see commercial interests in space. And that includes a lot of Colorado companies, right? Like Lockheed Martin Space that we were talking about that made this um, Orion capsule. I'm really curious about this. How do you feel like the Colorado companies stack up against those billionaires and their, you know, the, what seem like vanity projects? They stack up rather well. Colorado's a leading aerospace and space uh, economy, if you want to just judge it by at the state level. Um, pretty much only California has a bigger private sector space in economy per capita, if you want to measure it that way. Uh, than Colorado does. Now you have the big NASA Space Flight Centers in Houston, Mission Control, you know, and then the launch complex uh, on the Space Coast of uh, Northern Florida. Um, and so those are big anchors for the space industry. But when it comes to having private sector employers who are involved in developing things for space, whether you're talking uh, communication satellites or uh, space probes for NASA or um, satellites for the military, Colorado's ground zero for that. And it has to do with military history here and uh, a whole variety of things that go back for decades. And it's developed into a scene where even without a big NASA presence, official NASA presence, you know, in terms of launch facilities or ground control, um, 
we have a big industry of space companies like Lockheed Martin, but beyond that, we have Ball Aerospace, a homegrown company in Boulder. We have um, a huge presence of Raytheon, a defense contractor that does a lot of work in space. We have a, the largest commercial space imaging company in Maxar, uh, a product people may know as Digital Globe, um, that's used as the sort of image-based layer for Google Maps and a host of other things. Uh, and then a ton of small companies that have started out in the last decade or so, or, or even more recently, that do small satellites. And what makes that important is that it's much cheaper to launch a small satellite than it is a giant communication satellite of the you know, older generation. So space has become more accessible and more affordable. And so mm -hmm. you see this explosion in startups. And Colorado has this historical talent bed that has allowed a lot of entrepreneurial companies to start here. And the talent is so rich here that a lot of startups that start in other places like the coasts move here or open offices here to tap into the engineering and experienced aerospace workforce that we have. Hmm. So, so I understand that Lockheed Martin got a big government contract to build this Orion capsule. That's how they're making money off of that. But how, what about these other smaller companies? How are, how is anyone making money off of this? Well, that's, that's the billion dollar question, right? So there are kind of old school people in space who will point out that there's been one customer in space historically, and that's the US government, whether it's the military or NASA, that's that tends to be where most funding for all space comes from. But what is going on now is a lot of private money flooding into investing companies in the hopes that they'll be able to either turn data from collected from orbit or actual natural resources gathered on the moon or things like that, real ambitious ideas of being able to do industrial processes in space that will eventually make money. But to date, nobody's, people have been investing in the future. Nobody's been making profits yet. Hmm. So that's like asteroid mining or something like some there's valuable minerals on these things, maybe. Incredibly. Uh, there's asteroids made of pure precious metals and things like that, hmm. that you can see nobody's ever been able to capture one or mine on one yet. But um, part of what this Artemis moon program that NASA is doing is to return to the moon, not just to put, you know, another footprint on the moon or to, you know, have people tee off golf balls on the moon, but to go there and stay there and have a sustainable human presence on the moon to begin to sort out what does it take to have long-term human habitation and industrial processes, a lot of which would be automated, um, going on outside of the Earth's atmosphere. You know, how do you do that? And with the idea that as a species, humans have reached the point where we can begin to start taking industrial processes off the planet. Now, whether you think that's a good idea or, or not may depend on what, you know, what the aim is, but the technology is there to be able to start doing some of this and there are entrepreneurs building companies to try it so it sounds like everybody kind of agrees that someone is going to figure out how to make money in space and it's increasingly likely that that person is going to be from colorado yeah there's a good chance of it i mean there are many many companies taking a shot led by people here in colorado so there's a good chance that if somebody's going to mine the moon, it'll be a person with ties to Colorado and a company that has people here or was born here. There's a very good chance of that. Well, Greg Avery, thanks so much for joining me on CityCast Denver. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. 
After the scrub launch on Monday, Colorado's own Orion capsule is now set to launch, along with the rest of the Artemis 1 mission, this Saturday afternoon. Greg told me there's clouds in the forecast in Florida that day, but so far, all systems are go. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The mayor's office of social equity and innovation is two years old and apparently not doing so hot. That's according to a new report from Denver's auditor, Timothy O'Brien. He says that the office still doesn't have a cohesive strategy or any way to assess its progress. The Colorado Sun reports that the office's purpose is to oversee the city's other agencies and evaluate their practices to increase equity and eliminate racial and social injustice. O'Brien says that the office's lack of enforcement authority has been a major issue, with some employees complaining about other offices stonewalling them. And finally, the 150th Colorado State Fair kicked off in Pueblo last week and is set to run through Labor Day on Monday. I've never been, but I have seen tons of pictures of tantalizing deep-fried goodness online, so I want to hear from you. Is it worth the trip? Is there a particularly good Colorado State Fair food or thing to do down there? Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show. Our number is 720-500-5418. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell your favorite astronaut about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot.